Um, we're going to talk about service tonight. And, but I want to do so from a, a very particular direction. Over the past couple of weeks, Jeff has been talking very much about identity, our, our identity in God, our standing in God, establishing ourselves in God on the basis of a full acceptance not trying to earn our stripes or, or to become acceptable to God, but actually recognising that we're fully accepted already. And to stand on that in full, in full confidence of that, to put aside criticisms of others, of what we might think of ourselves, and to recognise our true identity and our true standing in God. I am the righteousness of God is, is one of the things that he, he, he said. And that we, we minister and we give out of that basis. And so I want to come from service from that point of view. So I've, I've got three points here. And the first one is that the basis of which we, on which we serve is our sonship in God. We're sons and daughters of God. We're God's children. And we, we serve out of that basis. We serve out of that very privileged position. One of the verses that Jeff, when he spoke this morning, mentioned was Isaiah 54, verse 17, which isn't in your notes, that it says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And the point was, Jeff was making was, that if that's the heritage of the servants of God, how much more the children of God? How much more the children of God? And Jesus himself said, John 15, 15, the, the first verse of it, he says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. I call you friends. And God doesn't call us his his servants or his slaves. He says, you're my dearly beloved children and that's our 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 standing you know so service comes from a very privileged position of being the children of God it's not something that we have to do to try and earn God's approval he approves of us already Amen. it's all it's already it's already there Jesus himself moved in that, in that approval, didn't he? He moved in the confidence of knowing who he was and where he'd come from. That he, he, was, he was the son of the father. So that when he, before he, he was arrested and crucified, when he washed his disciples' feet... He did that in the confidence of knowing who he was. He could do that because he knew his position. He didn't have to fight for his position and try and lord it over everybody. He could take a lowly position because actually he knew who he was and he knew his, his standing. And we have, we, we have that same standing. We have, we have that same standard. We don't have to do anything to prove ourselves, 
to, to ourselves, to others, or to God. Because God has given us an amazing standing as, as, as children of God. Amen. Jesus said to himself in John 6 and verse 17, he says that God the Father has given me his seal of approval. And each one of us can say that same thing. That we've got the seal of approval from God. In Ephesians, it talks about the seal on our salvation being the Holy Spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit inside us, and that's God's seal of approval upon us. And he looks upon us, and he thinks we're, we're tremendous. He thinks we're wonderful. He, he, we're our beloved sons and daughters that he's delighted in. And, you know, if those of us that have had children and watched them growing up, they don't have to do this, that and the other to gain our approval. Because our hearts are full of love for them. They just have to, uh, we, we've got ambitions and desires for them. But we're not going to condemn them if they don't do this or that and the other in the, in the right way. Our approval right from the start is already upon them. And that's God's heart, God's heart to us. And that gives us confidence. And we, we can move forward in that. We're sons. We're sons, we're not servants, and we're not slaves but that actual sonship can lead us to do, doing, doing more Romans 8 verse 15 says that we're no longer slaves but we're sons adopted into his family and we cry Abba Father let's just turn to that in a, a minute to, just to emphasise the point Romans 8, 15. So, most of these verses, but not all of them, are in the, in the notes that I, that I have given you. It's, it says, reading read, read from, from verse 14, actually, for, for those, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of, adop of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We are children of God, and that's where we, we stand this morning. We've been adopted into his family. So we, we're heirs of the Father, we're co-heirs with Jesus. We're part, of the, we're part of the family. We're not slaves, we're not servants, we're not hired hands. In John 10, Jesus talks about the shepherd and the sheep. And he says, I am the good shepherd and I look after the sheep. He says, I'm not... The hired hand. The hired hand, when the wolf comes, he runs away. And the sheep have no protection. 
We're not hired hands that will t- turn away from God at the first sign of trouble. We're sons adopted in, into, his, into his family. We're far more import, important than that. So not only does it give us a privileged position, but it also gives us a greater responsibility. We, our hearts have been set on God and we're not going to turn back. We're not going to give up. It's not something we've embarked upon that is just some little fancy, it's the latest fad, it's the latest fashion. We'll go along with it if everything works out okay. We've committed our hearts and our lives and our souls and our beings to following God because in him we find, we, we find every, everything. That's the, priv- that's the privilege of sonship. But because we're sons, God is pouring his heart of blessing upon us. He is not slave driving us. It's, the service is not something that you have to do and that God says, I want, I want my pound of flesh out of you. Jesus said, he said, my yoke, Luke, Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, he, said, he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says, come to me. All of the, you know, that you that you're weary, come and find my rest. Come and find my peace. Then the fact that there's a yoke there and there's a burden means there is something to do. means there's something to do. But he says the yoke is easy. The burden is light. You're not going to be crushed under the burden. The yoke isn't a chain that's going to enslave you but you'll know my, my freedom. And that's the, way, that's, the, that's the way we stand as sons. Luke, Luke 15, 11 to 22, tells one of the most famous stories in the Bible, the parable of the lost son, or it, it's often called the prodigal son, isn't it? The, the son who went away and took his inheritance with him and squandered it. Squandered it. And it's a... Uh, Beautiful gospel story of forgiveness. But the son who stayed behind worked, didn't he? The son who stayed behind was working for his father. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. What his father wanted him to do. Then resentment built up inside him about this when the other son came back. But the father says... You've been here, the father said to him, you've been here all the time. Everything that I have is yours. And that's what Jesus says to us. As sons and daughters of the kingdom, we're working in service for the kingdom, but at the same time, everything in the kingdom is ours. And that's where, that's where we, we stand. You know, if you've, got, if you've got your own business, if you've got a family business, you're going to work far harder for that business than if you're just an employee of the company, aren't you? 
You're going to put, because you've got an investment in there. You've got a, um, an inheritance to claim through that business. One day it's going to, be, it's going to become yours. You know, um, let's just look at um, Galatians 4 for a minute. If I can find it. I'm flipping about everywhere here. This, talk, this, this is, talks about heirs and slaves. The heir, as long as he's cha- a child, is no different from a slave. Though he's owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father in the same way also when we were children we when we were children were enslaved to the elementary principles of his this world but when the fullness of time come God sent forth his son to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons so a son sir Working in his father's business or working on his father's land seems no different from the servants that are there. But there's a tremendous difference because one day he's going to inherit the whole farm. And the, the effort that he puts in, he's, he's got that in mind. He's got that in mind. Rather than the servant who does what he has to do. You know, my, my sister owns a business and she actually works harder than anybody else that she employs because it's her business. We have got, we're not just hired servants. We have got an inheritance and therefore in our service it's our delight to put out the to serve in the kingdom of God because we, we're putting our heart and our soul into the family business. We're putting it into the family business. That's what we're going to be inheriting. That's what we have inherited through Jesus. So when we serve, it isn't something that we have to do or we're forced to do. It's something that we should delight in doing because we're part of the family business. The second thing I want to, second area I want to talk about is that we we call to serve. We call to serve. Ephesians two and verse ten, and again I just want to to read this this verse. It says this. For we are, his work, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he's, say, he's saying this, he's saying quite a lot there really. He's saying that we, these good works that God has got for us, we are walking in them. Isn't 
that it's the, an odd good work here and an odd good work there, but it's actually a way of life. We're walking in them. But if, you, if, you, if you're not careful, you can look at it and you think, oh, heck, you know, I've got to do this for God and I've got to do that for God and I've got to do the other for God and I ought to be doing this and I ought to be doing that and it becomes a, a, heavy, a heavy burden. But what God is saying here is that you were made for purpose. You know, this morning, we're, before church, we're having a walk with the dog up on the moor, the moor very close to our house. Just a small little moor. And the, at the bottom, there's this derelict building. And it's been derelict for as long as I re can remember. Um, so it's been derelict for years and years and years and years. But at some point, it had a purpose. It wasn't just built for no reason. It's fallen into dereliction, but it was built for a purpose. It had a, a reason to be there. And that's the same with us. You know, before we came to Jesus, maybe we'd fallen a bit into dereliction. And we didn't really know where we were going and what we were doing. But God has called us for purpose. And that's a... That's not a burdensome thing to get us down. That's an exciting thing to, to thrill us and to challenge us and to motivate us. That God has got a purpose for each of our lives. Amen. And that we can be fulfilled in that purpose. That we're not just wondering around wondering what things are about. God has got a, a, a purpose. It's... We all have inside us this, this, this need to have, a, have meaning and purpose in our lives, don't we? We have this, this need there. And in God, that need can be fulfilled. He's created us. He's created us for purpose. You know, um, quite a number of people are, are in this church have been out to, to India, haven't they, with... with with Ralph on his work out there in the, in the orphanage. Uh, a number of years ago, I, I went out for, for a time. And one of the things Ralph said to us, is he, he said, basically, I, I, I've got this project to you so that you can, you can do it and you can, you know, he, he works you really hard, does Ralph, when you're, when you're out there. He, he, he doesn't like you rest for a minute. But, but he's saying, so you can do it and you can complete it, and you can complete it, and you, say, and you can say, look, I did that, you know, that, that, was, that was ours, we did that. And he recognised the satisfaction that we could receive from actually doing something and seeing it completed and that we'd made a difference. And we need that in our lives. And the purpose of God provides that for us like nothing else can. That we can, we, can, we can make a difference because God is with us. And we're working, we're working, he's, he's working in us and we can see, we can see things that, that, we can see things accomplished through his power working through us. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, or in some 
translations, your reasonable service. So it's saying offering you... Again, we're not just talking about doing the odd thing here or doing the odd thing there, but it's talking about your life being dedicated to God in his service, knowing that he is a loving Heavenly Father that looks after you and cares for you and has your best interest at heart. It's your reasonable service to offer your body as a living sacrifice. So it actually, service becomes an act of worship. When you're doing something for God, you are worshipping him. Where, so worship is not limited to singing songs in a worship service. It's not limited to praying. But your service to God, if God is speaking to you and saying, I want you to be involved in that or I want you to do that, that becomes an act of worship. It's your reasonable service. In Ephesians 4 and verse 12, it talks about God giving the church apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, evangelist teachers, the, the reason for to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Amen. We're called to serve. We're called to be a body. It's not that the people that stand at the front the leaders of the church, or whatever way you look at it, those employed by the church, do all the work. And we sit back and listen. We're all in to be equipped for works of service, so that as a body, we may be built up. You know, and, and Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the body, doesn't he? talks about the church as a body. It talks about us being members of the body. And, you know, we, we, people have preached on the, the, this, this a lot. The body, us functioning together, being knit together as a body, is so important. It's so important that we're united together. That nothing divides us. We need each other. We need to support each other. And the body as a whole becomes worse off if one part of the body is not functioning properly. And Paul talks about there that, that all parts of the body are equal because they've got different functions to play. And the body can't work unless each part is, is playing its function. And that some parts, they, they may not seem as good, or as nice, or as presentable, but actually, they're really important. So, you know, so, so that we might be attracted to one role or another in the church, and not so attracted to another, but if everybody just did the 
the same thing. There'd be lots that wouldn't be done. We, you know, we need people in service in all areas. We need people to stand up and preach the word. But we need people to set the chairs out. We need people to serve tea and coffee or food. We need people to, to clean. We need people to do administrative tasks. We need people to count the money and, make, and get it to the, to the bank. We need, we, need people to, we need people to pray. We need to pray for one another. We need people with spiritual gifts who will prophesy. We need all of it together if we're going to work as a body. And we all have a role to play in that service. Milton Jones, a Christian comedian, said, Some people say, I really want to be used. But when you ask them to put out the chairs, they say, now I'm just being used. <laughs> and the, the story, the story in Acts 6, and I'm jumping a little bit about a bit in these notes, illustrates that all service, whether you, however you view it, whether you, you view it as a, a really attractive thing to be involved in or not so attractive and a bit more in the background, it's all spiritual and it's all important to God. You know, that's the story that you'll, you'll know that where the... There was an argument about the distribution of food and the, 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 the apostles were saying it's not right for us to, be, to serve on tables, not because it was beneath them, but because it wasn't what they were called to. They were, they were called to prayer, to ministering the word. We want you to choose seven people to do that. But it wasn't any old seven people. It, it said, full men, full of the Spirit. And they laid hands on them and they prayed for them. It was a spiritual ministry that was regarded in, of high importance. So whatever we do, we're doing it for God. And therefore it is important. And God will use it in whatever ways he, he sees fit. You know, God wants us to be fulfilled in our lives, doesn't he? He doesn't want us to overburden us and, and, and drag us down. But he wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to do the things he's called us to do. And if we do that, we won't be dragged down. We will be fulfilled and we will be leading meaningful, purposeful lives. You know, Matthew 25 and 14 to 30 talks about the, par the parable of the talents. That the, the master gave these men different amounts of talents. And one of them, he had, he had 10 talents and he turned it into 20. And another had 5 and he turned it into 10. But the one with one buried it in the ground what are you doing with your God given ability are you using it for it to be productive or are you burying it in the ground 
God doesn't want that. He's, he's, he's given us so much. He wants us to, to share of what we have been given. And that will mean different things for different people. But he wants us to share on that. We've all got a role to, a, a role to play. We, we, we've all got a role to play. And the, the, the story immediately after that about the sheep and the goat. So immediately after the, 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 the story of the, the parable of the talents, Jesus talks about the sheep and the goat. That, that, that those, the sheep and the goats were separated. And to the... To the but they were separated on the basis of their works. You know, to the goats who are saying, you never, you never fed me, you never gave me a glass of water, you never visited me in prison. To the sheep said, you, you know, come into the kingdom because you have done this. And the reply was, when did we do this? Well, whenever you did it to the least in my kingdom, you did it to me. Now, this isn't salvation by works. That if you go, that, oh, what do I do to get to heaven? Well, I'll go and visit, I'll go and visit people in prison. It isn't that doesn't mean that or I give, I give food to the poor and then I'm all right but it means out of the basis of our sonship out of our standing in God we're set free to do the things that God wants us to do on, the, on, that, on that basis another, another verse that, that Jeff quoted this morning Matthew 6 verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall, shall be added, added to you. You know, again, it's putting God, God's work first, putting God first, and then all the things that we strive for in life Food, clothing, position, money. God will, God will give us what we need. God will give us what we need. It's, um, it's having faith in the finished work of Jesus. So we, we're seeking his kingdom. We're, we're honouring him in our lives. And as we, as we serve him... God will, God will keep us. Now, it, it, do, it doesn't mean, it, you know, it doesn't mean to say that we leave our brains behind in this. You know, that, that we're not sensible. God, you know, God wants us to, to work, to earn our, our keep, you know, to, to, to do what is necess necessary. But what are our priorities? And so much of society is about material gain and gaining more. And, you know, in, in this passage, he was saying that that's all the concerned about. What is our main concern? Our main concern should be honouring God in our lives. The final point I want to make then is on about is waiting on the Lord. I'd like to 
I'd like to turn to, I, to Isaiah 40 to look at, to look at that. Again, very familiar scripture to, to you. Isaiah, Isaiah 40, verse 30. Even youths shall faint and weary, and young men shall f- fail exhausted. But they who, who wait, wait for the Lord, or wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Now, What does to wait for the Lord or to wait on the Lord mean? I do, I do, I do, th- I do think it means seeking God. And that we renew our strength as we seek God. We gain God's wisdom as we, as we seek God. That we spend time seeking him. And we receive understanding. We know the way to go. We receive the strength of his Holy Spirit. And the power of his Holy Spirit. But when I look at this passage. I think the, about the role of the wait, of a waiter in a posh restaurant. So not that I've been to many posh restaurants. <laughs> but... As far as I understand it, from what I've been told, <laughs> um, in, a, in a posh restaurant, the waiter is there to attend to your every need. But actually, is there very much in the background. So that your wine glass is empty... And the good waiter is right there with a bottle of wine to, re- to refill it. <laughs> but, but he's not there all the time being, you know, he's not overly there, annoying you, getting in, in your way a bit. He's there. He is waiting. He is waiting to attend to your needs when your needs arise. But he's there leaving you alone when you've got everything that you, that you need. So he's there. So when you've finished, the plates are cleared away. The next, cor- the next course will ar- arise. The, the wine will, be, will, will always be there for you. But he's not there sat at your table having a chat with you whilst you're, you're eating, you're eating your, your meal. And I think there's something of that in this verse. That we are waiting on God, we are seeking God out, and we are waiting for him to speak to us, and we're ready to move into action when God does speak to us. And it says of those people, they shall renew their strength. So it isn't necessarily going away into your closet, into your bedroom, and spending hours on your your knees in prayer, but it's an attitude of being open to God, 
for waiting for God to speak to you, for being available, and for, for listening out for that still, small voice as God speaks to you by his Holy Spirit, and responding to those problems so that you're, you're spiritually tuned in Tuned in to, to, what God, to what God is saying. And, and I think there's, there's, there's something of that. It, it's, it's more like you know, we're, we're building our relationship with God. So we're becoming more and more intimate with God. But we're realising that God doesn't always want to say to us, do this, go there, do that, try that. God wants to spend time with us. God wants to spend time with us in intimacy. But if we tune to him, when he does say, do this or go there, we'll recognise that, we'll respond to that, and we'll do that. I don't think service, in conclusion then, in God's kingdom should be a wearisome, burdensome thing that gets us down. But it should be a liberating, fulfilling thing that lifts us up, that rises us up like, like, like eagles, that we saw, that we renew our strength in service because God is working through us. And that as we give out, he's, pour, he's pouring in. It should be a delight to serve in God's kingdom. Not a, a wearisome, burdensome thing. Because God has, has given us joy in our salvation. He's liberated us. He's set us free. We stand as, as sons and daughters, as children in the kingdom to inherit the very best of the kingdom so let's put our effort into what is good what is powerful what is lasting what is eternal rather than into, into things that there's no substance of and then will just fade away Amen Amen, Amen. Amen. Let's stand please and let, let's just pray